Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. Eye on Veterans. Here's retired Marine Captain Chaz Henry. Politics and people who've served in the military. Jeremy Tigan is a political science professor at New Jersey's Ramapo College. He's also an Air Force veteran, and that played a role in his decision to spend a lot of time studying how voters perceive vets running for political office and whether having worn the uniform offers veteran candidates a particular advantage when voters make their choices at the polls. It started a very long time ago when I was a very young man uh, enlisted in the U.S. Air Force uh, voting in my first presidential election with an absentee ballot in the 1992 presidential election. And uh, without disclosing my own preferences, uh, all the uh, airmen around me were uh, livid uh, to the point of almost uh, anger at the fact that uh, Bill Clinton had you know, somehow avoided military service. And, and they thought that presidential candidates should be quote unquote, real veterans. And I guess I stored that away as a sort of empirical question of, you know, you know, what is this relationship between military service and, and elected uh, office? And, and why do we, uh, why are so many of our uh, elected officials, um, uh, why do they, ha- why do so many have military experiences is something I sort of tucked away. And then later after I, you know, uh, you know, started actually studying political science, uh, I kind of came back to the topic and uh, had a, very enjoyable experience, um, uh, sort of looking into the 70 some, uh, men and one woman who've been a major party nominees, uh, running for president of the United States and looking into their military experiences and how they played out on the campaign trail. Now at different times in U S history, there have been uh, more people in the military, sometimes less. And so that of course has to have influenced the number of veterans potentially available to run for office. Have you noticed any trending in veterans being more likely to run less likely? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've hit one of the biggest sort of uh, causal influences that drives how many military veterans enter elected office or or at least attempting to is that it's just a a question of how many veterans we have in the population at any given time. I mean, compare a couple examples, you know, after World War II, we asked almost three quarters of a generation uh, to serve in uniform during the 1940s. So it shouldn't be terribly surprising that uh, virtually every nominee for both parties between, you know, Eisenhower through Bob Dole uh, had military experience of, of one kind or another, whereas we shouldn't be terribly surprised that other cohorts just proportionally have fewer veterans running for office because there just weren't that many in the population. What has been the thinking over time about the importance of understandings a person might get through military service and how that might make them a better leader? That's another really good question. In fact, it impelled me to run an experiment where I intentionally manipulated a real congressional ad. Uh, I don't know if you you know Tim Walls uh, uh, in Minnesota. He he first ran uh, for the Minnesota first district for a house race, and he put an ad uh, on the air that was kind of biographical, and it sort of said, you know, I'm you know coach to the state champs and I'm teacher of the year and I'm, uh, you know, army reservist or, or he's listed as military service. And so I doctored the ad so that 
some of some of the people in the experiment saw him as a military veteran where others did not and uh those that saw the 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 tim walls as a military veteran uh, overwhelmingly perceived that he was a, a congressional candidate that would be far better suited to handle issues of national security and defense than the tim wells doppelganger that did not have military service or at least you know apparently did not have military service big differences between how individuals uh, perceived candidates, even in a in a in a small setting of looking at a campaign ad, uh, in the way that we see our political leaders being able to uh, uh, handle uh, important issues. So Tim Walls, a retired command sergeant major in the uh, Minnesota National Guard, so actually did have significant and interestingly enlisted uh, experience in the military, and now is the uh, ranking member of the Veterans Affairs Committee in the uh, House of Representatives. So. One assumes that even among fellow legislators, uh, they saw that uh, here's a person whose experience could work in this specialty area on, on veterans' issues. But is there any sort of evidence borne out beyond the, what voters might perceive as to a person being a better or worse uh, public servant when it comes to dealing with national security issues after being elected? Well, it's that point of being elected that was the sort of hypothesis that I wanted to test, which is is the main reason why we have an overrepresentation, and I and I only mean that numerically, uh, an overrepresentation of people with military service in circles of political power in our country, because voters like them. Like if 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 voters are confronted with with you know two candidates, one who has military service and one one who doesn't, that are otherwise identical, do they prefer these military veterans? Does that explain why we have you know uh, uh, you know more than half of our major party nominees for president uh, uh, with military service or why in the 1970s, almost three quarters of Congress uh, had military service. And the answer is no. While individual races probably have hinged on military service biographies of candidates, those are probably the exception. There's no system-wide you know, over-encompassing advantage that veterans enjoy in the general elections. And that seems counterintuitive to some people, especially when they look at advertisements where candidates bend over backwards to display their military service, or sometimes even exaggerate it. The intuitive inference is that, well, certainly it must get them more votes. And, and, and I guess my response to that is, if military service gave candidates, say, like a, a 5%, you know, boost in the polls of things being equal, well, We'd have 535 veterans in Capitol Hill, not the small number that we do today, because parties would have incentives to nominate military veterans all the time. So the, the advantage just simply isn't a, a quantitative one that you see during the general election. No, I, I don't know if this would be borne out by uh, you know any sort of data, but perhaps people infer that uh, someone who has served in the military might have exhibited some form of selflessness that might be admirable. I think so. I think that when people are confronted with candidates in the abstract, um, that when you you know ask them you know uh, especially when they're not currently running like when let's use John McCain as an example uh, if you look at any other year than 2008 when he was a notable politician you know surveys routinely ask people's uh, opinions about political leaders whether they are or not running and and John McCain in in the in the 2004 and the 2012 uh, national election surveys enjoyed high regard and esteem except in 2008. Once the normal partisan phrase starts to surround uh, military candidacies, then their military biographies become uh, a football to play with uh, in the you know October through November scrum, whereas 
when you ask people in the abstract, you know, they do respect and uh, regard those with military service with uh, a, a bit of a uh, political inoculation from the usual attacks. Interesting. So this could imply that uh, one's veteran status is not really a decider in many cases. It, you really got to have a close election for, you know, any one thing to be a, a decisive uh, uh, influence. But, I mean, look at how military service becomes you know, salient for some people. Political scientist and Air Force vet Jeremy Tigan. He's a professor at Ramapo College in New Jersey, and he's written a book about military veterans running for political office and what history shows about whether having done military service before throwing one's hat in the political ring gives a candidate an election boost. He says the experience of the Democratic Party presidential candidate in 2004 shows not necessarily. You know, John Kerry's one of his biggest assets was his military service experience. And and how did he portray it on the campaign trail? Well, I mean, they made it the theme of the Democratic National uh, Convention that year. You know, he started his acceptance speech with, you know, I'm reporting for duty. And what happened, that, you know, a week later was the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth ad. It, it, when, when people, you know, bring their military service right into the sort of most fiery, divisive, crucibles of our electoral politics, then military service becomes yet another, uh, you know, thing to chip candidates down with. But in the abstract, you know, I think they, they can fundraise with it. Uh, they can attract interest. Um, as you mentioned earlier, with, with, with people like Tim Walls or Tulsi Gabbard or Tammy Duckworth, is they can use their military service once in office to gain uh, visibility on issues that they wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Uh, Another example that you see of military service being used is uh, like Robert Mueller's, you know, defenders uh, as this investigation unfolds, you know, frequently refer to his his military service in Vietnam, even though it's not really relevant to the, the current day. But because, you know, he's got that asset is, is a way to legitimate him politically, a way to sort of put a, a civic halo around him. Right. It speaks to character, one assumes. Right. Or this is at least the people putting this forward uh, hope that it will. I think people associate military service um you know, when, when they're not forced to make a decision on a, on a, on a you know, general election ballot, I think they see military service uh, as a, a heuristic, as a cue for leadership, sacrifice, patriotism, selflessness. And, and I might add, as, as, as somebody who's has been in the ranks um, as, as a, you know, uh, white, you know, privileged professor today, it was the four years of my life where I was exposed to, you know, uh, a, a broad economic, racial, ethnic, uh, you know, um, you know, microcosm of America. And I think that would be, you know, a fantastic experience for, you know, those seeking to, to be leaders in America. So I, I think Americans do perceive the way that, 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 that you're asking that they, they do associate, associate military service with a wide ranging of positive um, attributes for, for those seeking higher office. So you've been working on a book uh, having to do with veterans in uh, elected office. Uh, tell me the title of the book. Sure. Uh, it's Why Veterans Run Military Service in American Presidential Elections from 1789 to 2016. And it's published by Temple University Press. So you've looked in, as you put this book together, you've looked at the arc of history on this topic. And what have you seen trending? It's really the way to to summarize uh, what I found is that our broad post-war eras uh, exhibit different patterns of military emergence uh, that that are a product of not only the the size of our wars that produce you know smaller and larger cohorts of veterans, 
but a few other things that are more subtle as well. Uh, for example, the, the sort of state of our civil military relations can have uh, a big influence on, on how uh, the military political uh, interpenetration is. So even in an era when there's not a lot of veterans uh, in the population, like the um, antebellum period uh, between roughly uh, Jackson and the Civil War, um, you have a very high number of military veterans running for office, but they're a very different kind of military veteran running for office compared to the post-World War II generation. In the antebellum period, you have a lot of partisan generals, uh, people whose who's, you know, name recognition came from being uh, military heroes in, in our smaller wars, uh, and they entered politics you know, at the top in a lateral fashion, whereas those that had military service after World War II, um, they tended to be you know, people who were young men in the 1940s, served during World War II in a, in a, in a, as, as young officers, served for a short amount of time, and as soon as they got out, they, they grabbed the lowest rungs of the political ladder and started climbing. And so different eras exhibit different patterns of veterans emerges, but altogether, the, each era sort of contributes to, for different reasons, uh, a, a electoral system that seeks out military veterans uh, because more than half of the, the, the people of the 70-some people who have run for office on a major party ballot uh, have had military experience. So we've had more than a decade, uh, going on close to two decades now, of fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. What are you seeing uh, when you look at veterans coming back from those conflicts, uh, many of them getting very good educations using the uh, post-9-11 GI Bill and looking to contribute? Seemingly, this generation of veterans uh, has an ethos that's, I, don't, I can't compare it to generations past, but they have an ethos of service wanting to continue to serve. And so I'm guessing that some of them will be looking to do that in elected office. I agree completely. It's always a risky to try to look at your crystal ball. But based on the, um, the people who are emerging from Desert Storm, Desert Shield, um, to sort of just kind of combine, you know, people who've served basically, you know, since the, the 1980s, um, their, their numbers are extremely small. You know, as you know, we rely on a very small number of our population to fight and refight uh, very long wars, um, even though they're small in, in small intensity compared to our past conflicts. Um, we, we have a very professional force that relies on people to serve um, in a hyper-professional way for a very long time. And so we're not producing you know, the, the legions of veterans like we did after, you know, Vietnam or after World War II. Yet, despite that small number of veterans, similar numbers of them are coming uh, and emerging in um, sort of uh, in the conversations of who's going to run in 2018, who's who's seeking uh, nominations, especially in the Democratic side in this cycle. Um, and so I, I expect that despite their small numbers, uh, they will be even more overrepresented in American politics uh, than uh, what we've seen probably, let's say, the, the, the 20 years prior to that. So when veterans these days uh, gravitate toward uh, an interest in public policy, in uh, running for elective office, do they in large measure move toward one political party or another? And, and how does that compare over time? It's always dangerous to to make assumptions uh, based on our uh, sort of stereotypes of of like military personalities, because I think a lot of people perceive that the Republican Party has sort of captured 
you know, the national security and defense issue and that, you know, and, and that the, the veteran population is overwhelmingly leans towards the Republican Party. And, and those things just aren't borne out by the data. Um, you, you know, today's officer corps probably does lean uh, more Republican, uh, but the veteran population, you know, if you look at exit polls from uh, from recent elections, yes, they they are more Republican than, uh, you know, they, they, they leaned anywhere between five and eight percent, you know, more Republican in exit polls. But you know, who are veterans in this country? Well, they're older males. We already know that older individuals and males are tend to, to lean right. So I don't want to perpetuate a perception that only the Republican Party can enjoy success with military candidates. I think very recently you're seeing the Democratic Party, as any party does after losing a presidential election, trying to take advantage of the midterms by, you know, trying to come up with a message, trying to come up with some momentum to, you know, surge into the um, midterm after a presidential loss with some energy. And I think that the military veteran recruiting is one of the most visible signs of that effort. Professor and former enlisted airman Jeremy Tigan there, his book is titled Why Veterans Run. It's a look at the long history of U.S. military vets stepping up to run for elective office. And it challenges some perceptions about the weight American voters put on veteran status when they step into voting booths to make those final decisions about who to pick. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 